Is it just me or does it drive you crazy when you're on the phone with customer service or you're emailing them and they can't help you because it's against their policy? Are policies just something that companies use so that they can uh, be unhelpful, so they can stonewall and they can, they can, uh, they can kind of hide behind them so they don't have to feel like the bad guy, but they really don't have to do anything for you? Or is it actually, dare I say, good policy? It's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Hi, I'm Stephen Krause, and this is Up and to the Right, the no-nonsense podcast where we blend your passion with proven business principles and practical action. This isn't about buzzwords or short-term trends. This is about taking those proven business principles and applying them in unique ways to help you create a better business. So this week, uh, as I said, we're going to talk about policies. Uh, This is our third live stream, and I want to talk a little bit about that before we go on. Next week, I will be out of town on on travel for business. Uh, I'm going to Photonics West uh, 2020 in California. So I'll be in San Francisco. I may do a podcast. I'll have to do it on my laptop or maybe I'll take, um, uh, some other camera or something. I haven't thought about that yet. And I have two days, so I may or may not do a podcast next week. Um, I certainly won't be able to do it in the studio because I won't be here. Um, but I may still do one We'll just have to see. But the week after that, I want to try to get a standard time put down, um, scheduled so that I can release that and people can sign on when uh, we do the live stream. And actually, once that happens, I actually will monitor the comments section here on my computer and I can answer questions if that comes up uh, or uh, see comments and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to getting it a little bit further along. Um before we move on anymore, I did want to talk a little bit about the, um, the live stream setup that we've got. Obviously we've moved into our new facility. Very excited about that. We have a new background, which, um, we built especially for live streaming. Uh, we have a multi-camera setup now, so I'll switch over to our second camera. We have a second camera, kind of a wider, uh, field of view here, and you can see the background that we built. Uh, which I think is is pretty sharp, came out really nice. Um, so <laughs> we will be uh, uh, working through, you know, still some some tweaks that we have to do. Um, I am going to check something really quick because I'm feeling like the uh, the audio is a little bit uh, hot. So hey, bear with me. Testing one, two, testing one, two. It's not sounding too bad. So, all right, we'll roll with it this time. Hopefully it'll turn out okay. I am, this week, I am actually recording the uh, audio on my second recording device, which I was had intended to do all along. Uh, that way, when I pull the, the uh, audio for the po- audio-only version of the podcast, it'll be uh, as clean as it can be. So we've got that going. Um, so like I wanted to, like I was saying earlier, I want to talk about what policy is and is there a place for policy in small business? And if so, how can we use it um, to be a benefit instead of a detriment to our business and to our customers? And so uh, we'll talk about what is a good policy and what's a bad policy. 
obviously from my perspective and a good policy is, um, uh, well, first of all, let's talk about whether or not, uh, uh, policies are relevant to small business. Get my notes up here. Um, and you know, as, as small business owners and entrepreneurs, you might think of business policies as, um, something you don't want. We're a little roguish, maybe a little bit, uh, um, independent and don't really like the idea of being tied down to a structure. And what I want you to do is consider it a little bit differently than that. And the way I want you to look at a policy is a decision that you make for the future, but you make it now. Um, so you can control the, the environment in which you make the decision. And this is something that you do for repeated processes. You know, you have single things that come up. You can't make a decision in the present for future things that you can't anticipate. But if you look at things you can anticipate and that you want to either delegate and have it be repeatable so that the person you've delegated it to has the opportunity to succeed because they understand what the criteria are, understand what winning looks like for them. Um, uh, those are the th kind of things that we want to delegate repeatability and also things that might be, that might come up and force you into a decision in a time constrained way or in a situation that is emotionally charged. And both of those things can cause us to make, uh, less optimal decisions in the moment. And if we can prevent that, we can, by, by having a policy or what people call policy, uh, we can make better decisions in times of, of difficulty. And that's what, uh, I think is important. And so by doing that, you avoid the problems of time pressure and emotional pressure. I want to point out that doesn't mean you never make exceptions or you never think about specific cases. And, and, um, you know, we don't like, none of us like an example of a, of a policy where there's no flexibility. In fact, um, I had an opportunity or a, <laughs> I guess it was an opportunity. I had a situation with a vendor, uh, this last couple weeks where they absolutely will not flex on something that they're working on with me. And it's very frustrating because a, I know it's possible and reasonable, but because of the structure in this organization, they just absolutely a, they're not they're, they're individual people are isolated from the ability to make a decision and the people who can make a decision simply won't. They're just, I mean, it's not even possible to get a hold of them. So, um, that's the kind of policy that none of us really like the kind that just keeps us from actually getting any kind of benefit. So policies, uh, can be used during the normal course of business to help delegate in repeatable tasks. And I'll talk a little bit, bit about that in a moment. And, but special circumstances are always, can always be handled as they arise. Um, let's say you have a customer who hasn't paid you and you have a, no, a normal collections policy that you are going through step-by-step step, and they call you up and say, Hey, we're having a cash flow problem. We, can we do an extra two weeks? And if you're at the point in the, in your process where you would take some kind of action, uh, maybe you would, uh, stop giving them credit as a business or something like that. Um, you can make a decision at that time to do something different. Now, what I will say is that you have to be very, very sensitive to 
what's going on in that moment. Because once someone calls you up and starts to make an argument, they're asking you to violate what your, what your policy is. And, and that's something that you have to really think about because if they're making an emotional appeal or they're making a, um, uh, you know, a time sensitive appeal, maybe that would work for you, but it may not. And that if it goes against your policy, you have to be careful because you did, you generated that policy to solve this problem in the future. And now you're going against it. So you have to be very careful about making exceptions. I'm not saying it's not possible or okay. I'm saying you just have to be sensitive to it. So that's what we want to, I want to be careful about that. So what makes a good policy versus a bad one? Good policies enable employees to um, repeat tasks without your direct involvement and, um, and have the results be similar every time. And so uh, by having a, a well-thought-out policy about expenditures of some kind or something like that, you can take that interaction off of your plate because you've empowered your employees to do that and you know it's going to get done to a certain, with a certain set of criteria. And that's, that's really powerful. Bad policies create uh, inability on the part of your team members to do anything or to do a specific thing. And that's built into some processes and, and, and companies. It's, it's literally built in incapability so that customer service agents aren't able to help you because the companies don't want to do things. And you could make the argument that they have made that decision in the past and they don't want to make those exceptions. I get that. But in, in, in my opinion, that's, uh, creating those blocks isn't good customer service. And there are ways to say no without falling back on a policy and sounding weak, which is what happens. If you say it's not our policy to do that, or it's against the policy to do that, it's nobody's dumb. Everybody knows that somebody wrote that policy and somebody is telling them no. And so it just sounds disingenuous when you could just say that wouldn't be a good business call for me and I can't do that. Um, at least you can own it. Right. And as small business owners, it's even more poignant because people know we own it. And, and if we hide behind policies, like we don't accept personal checks, that's against our policy. No, I don't accept personal checks. I own it. Okay. Um, so that's something I, I feel pretty strong about is I think you need to own your, your, what you're telling your employees to do and what business relationships you're, you're trying to have or, or how the, the, the structure built around those. Um, so a bad policy basically limits the effectiveness of specific parts of your organization and, uh, puts customers off or deflects responsibility. And those customers could be vendors or employees, um, you know, there are bad policies that reflect any facet of business. And, and so it's important to take that into consideration as well. So let's talk about some good policy examples, some, some things that could be helpful and take work off your plate as an owner and, and, uh, without, um, damaging relationships or anything else. So purchasing spending limits, I kind of talked about that earlier what if you give your employees the freedom 
to take care of some things uh, up to a certain point without your approval. Um, office supplies, lab supplies, um, small tools or regular services. Uh, for example, we have um, we take our own product shots, but when we um, go to knock the backgrounds out, we use an outside an outside service because they have an algorithm or a a, a macro or something that they are able to uh, knock the backgrounds out very quickly and we can't do it as inexpensively as the service can. Those kinds of things you don't have to be involved with all the time, and but you can set boundaries around them and say, okay, up to $200, you can buy small tools twice a month or once a month or whatever. You can create an environment where an employee knows what that, uh, structure looks like what those criteria are so that they can make good decisions on your behalf, um, and still do, uh, what you want. And it can actually increase the speed of your process because now you're taking a step out where they're not, uh, having to ask you to do something, take time out of their day to ask you, make you take time out of your day to answer it, et cetera. So, um, Another example is like uh, vacation time. How far in advance do you need to know uh, when somebody wants to take vacation? Um, what's the schedule look like so you can make sure that you're covering um, customer service or production or whatever uh, business impacts it might have? Those things matter and you can codify them. You can write them down so that they are readily available. Everybody knows what the expectation is and um, it's repeatable. So it's always the same every single time, but you don't have to think about it. And that's, uh, that's the thing that really, it's the time savings of not having to make the same decision over and over and over every time the situation comes up. And so um, those are some examples of policies that can, that can, um, uh, build your business by making things run more smoothly without, um, uh, creating, uh, uh, you know, I was going to say without creating chaos, but without creating an environment where people will go out of control. So you have to, you do have to set boundaries around, uh, especially things like expenditures. Cash flow is very important to small businesses and you have to be sensitive to that. And that was just an example. Um, in my own, in my own business, uh, I've got a couple of examples that we'll talk about later um, that revolve around that as well. Bad policies or policies that I personally think are detrimental to business put your customer service, and this is typically going to be uh, business customer related, um, are the, the policies or procedures that put a barrier between your customer service and their ability to assist a customer you can't always say yes to a customer. The whole idea that the customer is always right is, is simply not true. Okay. The customer is not always right, but they should always be treated with respect and dignity. And you have to build your policies and your responses around that. Um, but bad policies put barriers between customer service and your, and your, uh, customer. Um, create unequal treatment or policies that end up pushing the blame for whatever the problem is away from the company and onto the customer. And 
that can be very subtle and it happens. So you have to be very careful about doing that. Um, you know, it's much better to own something immediately, even if you own it. And ultimately the answer is the customer can't have what they want, like a new unit or a new car. Um, that sometimes that's just not in the cards, but you can treat the situation with respect and not put deliberate barriers to customer service in place, uh, around it. So I think that's the, the key. So I want to talk, so that's basically it for, for custom, uh, for policies and what they need to look like or what they can look like. Some kind of, of exa some examples, um, think about policies simply as making decisions now in an environment that you control so that they can be used in the future when the environment is out of your control. So it isn't about creating structure that you don't need or want. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about making policies for no reason. I'm talking about making decisions now that you can use later when you can't control the environment and you need to make a good business decision. That's what a good policy does. It allows you to make a good business decision in a difficult situation. All right. So, um, for the, for suggested actions this week, let's talk about a few things we can do. So pick the, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many, but I wrote in my notes, the top three things that you do over and over and over again, where it's not your expertise that's bringing value. It's just a judgment call or, um, usually it's a judgment call or a process call where you just need to tell somebody how to do something and write them down. Just a couple. Don't, don't go crazy. You can always do more later. And there's, you know, there, and there's always plenty to do. If you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner, you know, there's always more to do. So, um, get a couple of them, find a quiet place and think about the criteria that you use. What goes through your head when you make that decision, when you make a decision about whether or not to buy office supplies or whether or not to buy a tool or whether or not to use an outside service or how much vacation somebody can take at a time or how long in advance you need them to tell you, uh, or what is your return policy? What is your shipping policy? What's your, um, uh, payment policy when somebody comes in with, uh, uh, if you're, I mean, in North America, I'm in the United States, we run on the dollar. If somebody comes in with pesos, do we take that or, or not? I mean, it, you know, so there's, and that's kind of an extreme example, but you get the idea that you can, you look at the things that, that impact your business on a regular basis that you can, you can, uh, create some, uh, boundaries around. So you find those ideas and then for each of them, figure out the criteria that you use to make the decision and then write it down, write down. What are the criteria I use to make this decision? What are the boundaries that I would expect people to say, okay, I need a small tool, but it's $275. That's more than, uh, more than the boss says is, is, you know, something I can do on my own. That's okay. It's okay to have limits. Um, but in fact, you should have limits because you need to, you need to set up policies so that the employee that's making the decision can succeed. That's the key. Um, so, you know, if it costs more than $200, come see me. If it takes longer than two weeks, come and see me. 
stuff like that. What are the criteria that you would use and write those down? Um, when you're uh, doing that, it's really important to be very clear and don't make assumptions. So write down the environment in which that decision might come up and what kinds of things come into play in terms of how you make that decision and write them down, document them and be clear about it. Don't use shorthand, don't use slang, don't use, um, don't assume a, a certain level of knowledge um, and, and just get all of that information down on paper and you can clean it up, but get it down so that you can transfer that knowledge to the employee. So then you provide the policy to your team and unless they're desk workers and they always, they're just always at their desk, um, having a notebook of policies is honestly, I think what's going to happen with a notebook of policies is going to get stuck in a desk drawer and never looked at. And that's not helpful to us. That doesn't, unless they memorize the policies and they're going to stick to it, that doesn't do us any good. Then they get up and ask us and then we say, Hey, did you look in the, in the, in the notebook? And they go, well, no, or, but you don't have to do that. Find a way to, to incorporate the policy into the process in a more meaningful way. What if you post a pol uh, policy above the copier, if it's related to making copies or, um, you can get custom mouse pads for like seven bucks. So if it's really important and it's something that person does at their computer all the time, do a custom mouse pad or something like that because it's right there. They might not actually look at it every time they make the decision, but it's always there in their mind. So those are just some ideas. Use what works for your business to, uh, to post these policies. And they, it doesn't matter if it's a printed piece of paper, if it's a mouse pad, it's, if it's a chalkboard with, with chalk writing on it, uh, it, if it works, that's where the value is. Right. So, uh, some examples from my own business that I wanted to share with you is we have a customer service policy where if, if something is going to cost less than $500, my sales team doesn't have to talk to me to help a customer. Now that might seem like a lot of money to, uh, you know, if you're selling, um, coffee or, or, um, uh, something like that, where the transaction cost is very low and I get it. And, and I'm not saying it would be appropriate in that, in that instance, but the products that we sell in our, in our, uh, high tech, in our high tech business are expensive or can be up to $10,000 and more. So if I have a, a sales, a sales team member who makes a decision to help a customer and it costs 500 bucks, but we get a sale that's $10,000 or a follow on sale or something like that, that's hugely valuable. So I don't, and I don't need to be involved in that. So that's one of the ones that I use is, and, and you can have an, a different limit based on the transaction value that you do in your business where your, your customer service reps, whether it's salespeople or a wait staff or whatever, where they can make a decision to help a customer, uh, without having to go through you every time. And that makes uh, it empowers employees. They feel better. It makes, uh, it gives you fewer interruptions and it also makes customers feel better because they were helped right away. The person they were talking to had the power to help them. And that's huge. Um, the other example I wanted to talk about is we, we have, um, the sales team again, has the ability to go 
to shift the price tier for the product without talking to me one level. So it, you know, we have, okay, if you buy one, one, it's a thousand dollars. If you buy 10, it's $900 or something like that. Um, so if they are working with a customer and it's a value, valuable customer, they're looking at long-term revenue or whatever they, and, and they want to do that, they can shift the, the price tier for that particular customer in that particular instance. Um, and that's, they don't have to do it one tier. They don't have to talk to me. And that's just one of the things that I've, um, come up with. And so you might be wondering, you know, okay, now I have, uh, customer service reps who are constantly killing my, my margins because they're doing all of this stuff. That's another training thing. I mean, you have to, you do have to have expectations and you have to, um, hold your employees accountable to making good decisions, decisions similar to the way you would do it. And that's part of creating that document and having those criteria, uh, that I talked about earlier, where you sit down and say, how would I make this decision and writing that down and giving that to them. And you do have to be flexible in the early stages and not flexible in a negative way, but flexible in terms of maybe, um, providing feedback on a regular basis and saying, uh, you kind of went a little too far here. Um, or I would have given, uh, this company a little bit more of a discount, uh, whatever, and, and help them understand the way that you're, you're looking at the criteria. And then if you need to update the criteria, obviously, um, if you left something out or if something was unclear, you can always, uh, clarify it and, and, uh, in the future it'll be, it'll be better. So, um, that's about it for this week. Uh, what's next next week, we're going to talk about export control for small business. Um, I know that sounds really dry and awful, but, uh, it really matters. Um, digital products are ex have export issues. So even if, if somebody's buying a PDF document from you in one country, you can actually run into export control problems if somebody downloads it in another country. And a lot of people don't understand export. They, they assume that if it's digital, it doesn't matter or that their product is, um, you know, oh, it's just this. How could it possibly have an export control issue? And it's always better to check. So we're going to go through export control next week. I'm not going to make you export control experts, but we're definitely going to dig into it and understand a little bit about what export control means to small businesses. And I'll provide some resources so that you can get more information about how, how to do export control on your side. So, um, if you have any great suggestions about, um, or comments about the whole concept of policies and how we can use them in small business to be successful, um, please go ahead and leave them in the comments on this video. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, if you're not watching on YouTube and you're listening to the podcast, you can send those comments to, to me at q.a at b50p.com. And I'd be happy to mention them on the, um, in a future episode. Um, or if you're on the webpage for the, for the podcast, you can leave it in the comments there and, uh, we can open up the discussion, but I love to have, um, other perspectives, uh, because there are a lot of w ways to run a small business and they're all, um, they're all valuable and it's, it's great when people share what has worked for them. Thank you for listening today. Uh, your questions, comments, suggestions are welcome at, at uh, as I mentioned before, q.a at b50p.com. You can subscribe to the Up and to the Right podcast here on YouTube or 
uh, any of your uh, podcatchers, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. What else do we have? Um, there's actually a YouTube playlist that does all of the audio content as well. Um, I think there's one more, but Google Play, of course. And um, so please go ahead and subscribe. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's time to get back to work.